हाय राजेश आई एम अटल सिक ऑफ दिस तू तू मैम हाय स्मिता क्या हो गया आई एम सिक ऑफ द शाउटिंग मैचेस वी कॉल न्यूज दीज डेज विक्ट्री गोज टू द पर्सन और पार्टी हु स्क्रीम्स लाउडेस्ट एंड लॉन्गेस्ट हाउ देर वे इज बेटर देन एवरी वन एल्स इज इट्स जस्ट टफ टू कॉन्सेंट्रेट ऑन द पॉजिटिव then there's dharmapolis indeed it is to look for the positives that we embarked on this journey called dharmapolis and it's early days yet but dharm ke raste mein der ho sakti hai and der nahi welcome to episode 14 of the dharmapolis podcast welcome welcome so tell me rajesh what was your introduction to caste ay baba what a loaded question where do i even begin there's a time when i asked my grandfather why he didn't fight in the freedom struggle and he kept silent and then i asked him why he thought brahmins were superior he kept silent on that too and then there was a constant barrage against lower caste students you know in in college at that great beacon of meritocracy that we call iit you know where lower caste students were called shaddu which is such a i mean even now i can't pronounce that name without cringing i mean i think that caste is something that all of us in india are faced with day in and day out It's all great to discuss it in the abstract, yeah. No, but when you see it take shape in everyday life, it takes your breath away. And I'm assuming not in the Top Gun theme song way. Not even after Tom Cruise became a Scientologist. But it does shock and awe, and so much that we are become immobilized in the number of ways caste rules our lives in India, like how landlords disguise caste as vegetarianism. And you know what an insult to animals it makes my blood boil as a vegan I think my introduction to caste was also gradual which is the unfortunate reality because some people are privileged enough to not experience it while others are reminded of it every single day but then when i was finally introduced to it i began to see it everywhere it's kind of like the race question in america built into the system and you know power is really about knowing what you can ignore you know and that right. makes me think of you know reading this very interesting post on caste in india on kora oh what's kora ah uh, i mean i forget that not everyone's a nerd like us kora is tell me why meets wikipedia now don't ask me to define wikipedia no i won't question the kora thread was in practice how does india's caste system work in the 21st century oh i know that one shikha glanced uneasily at the man standing next to her in the elevator just a week before there had been a long thread in their apartment community facebook group the general consensus had been that the main elevator should only be used by residents and their visitors yeah that one it went viral didn't it and i'm proud to say that several of my friends upvoted it the like button can totally change the world ha 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 if only we can tweet cast away well there should be an app for that but in the meantime it was a hilarious answer though do you remember when shikha's husband comes home and he was in a foul mood pissed off as a pissed off at a colleague who was clearly incompetent despite being from an iit he must be a kota guy she quipped both had a hearty laugh it's so common it's not even funny i wonder what my classmates feel now the ones who went on about shaddus and merit especially those who work for the government of india the urban indian denies that caste exists in their lives while strengthening each of those aspects that entrench caste into our daily lives you're right this is so commonplace it's not funny and the service elevator and the servants quarters how different is it from segregation in apartheid i wonder you know we spoke about gandhi not being happy today imagine his counterpart ambedkar oh boy i have often wished we had an ambedkar today 
when I first read him, I was astounded at the clarity of thoughts and concepts. It just made so much sense. And we want to make even more sense of it now. I mean, let's say for the record that Dharmapolitans the world over are reading the 2014 annotated critical edition of Annihilation of Caste by Namyana. Which was in the news a lot because of Arundhati Roy's preface to the book. Indeed, all great books have great stories. Some continue to evolve, much like Gandhi. The circumstances of Ambedkar writing this book are no less dramatic. First he was invited, then he was disinvited, then he was invited once again, and then disinvited. Enough to drive anyone crazy. Ah, you mean how he was asked to be a speaker and then asked not to speak about what really mattered to him. Yeah, and Ambedkar was pretty clear that he wanted the complete annihilation of caste. What else did people expect when inviting him? You know, perhaps they thought that he would be nice to them since they were the good kind of caste Hindus. A bit like white southerners getting hurt because a black panther called their entire system racist. It hurts because it's true. How deep does caste go into the foundations of Hindu society? As deep as it gets. And yet we are afraid of scratching the surface lest the festering wounds bleed too much. And bleed they must because the horrors are just too many to ignore. But as Arundhati Roy says in the preface, we are used to airbrushing caste out of the picture. The Chatur Varna, it has nothing to do with cleverness. These are the four classes and they were the ones who are not even part of the four Varnas. That's how we Indians understand caste. And I agree with Ambedkar. That there cannot be anything more degrading a system of organization. It's a crippling system, not enabling. I can't help but contrast that to what we read in Hinswaraj. Indeed. Gandhi was a caste apologist for sure. He equated caste with greatness and perfection of the Indian civilization. He sure did. But he did not approve of the hierarchy of the castes. A functional system of distributed societal duties is what he dreamt of. Alright, enough with Gandhi. Let's understand the radical nature of Ambedkar's stance. Dalits are still treated terribly today, but they have a political voice. A voice that's due to Ambedkar more than anyone else. When he wrote this book, Dalit political mobilization was much smaller. True, but the Gandhi-Ambedkar debate was fascinating, mostly because, in a way, each was a foil for the other. And all of this played out with the background of the national movement for independence. Remember, he was an anti-national before you or I. I think that's precisely what makes this so interesting. It would be so boring to just agree on everything. Where's the room for expanding our thoughts? You know, Ambedkar was the first to question whose freedom the Congress was fighting for. Kiski azadi? The Gandhi-Ambedkar saga, you know, is something that wasn't taught to us in school, unfortunately. Gandhi wanted the Congress dissolved after independence and once true Hind Swaraj was established. But Ambedkar was guarded, and for good reason of trusting the moral heart of what would inevitably be the Hindu majority. He wanted constitutional morality, not social morality. Again, what an incisive mind. Yes, and he did try and get a few safeguards and rights in for some of the less enfranchised. But he also suggested that the constitution was a work in progress. Hence, the constitutional morality was a work in progress. Just as we think dharma is a work in progress, and it means different things in different ages. Correct. Ambedkar was also the opinion that uh, Hinduism is nothing but a collection of castes. In the sense that before the Mohammedans came, there was no Hinduism, just caste identities. And the idea of Hinduism taking shape owes a lot to the advent of modern democracy and demographics that affected votes and therefore seats of power. You know, just the preface makes me want to go back to discussing Gandhi, but we'll save it for later. I think Gandhi and Ambedkar are definitely two schools of thought. And we need to discern what makes sense after we have read both of them. And continue to make sense of them in the moment as they did. 
Coming back to Ambedkar, you know he was distressed as a kid about the killing of Karna, the low-born Karna. These texts, you know, they make for great analysis of dharma, right? I remember I was shocked when I found out that in the Ramayana, Lord Ram killed the deer and all because Sita wanted the deer skin. Ugh, how is this text holy? Okay, sorry for the diversion. Ambedkar saw this, the misogyny and the discrimination like it was. Even as this tells us about his thought process early on, he was of course influenced by western liberals including John Dewey at Columbia University where he studied. Definitely he was well traveled and well read as was Gandhi. However, that definitely is not the surefire recipe for dharmic thought. Also, just meeting, reading and learning is not the same as adopting. Yes. We'll probably revisit Marx at some point in time, but Roy makes this astute observation that Marx didn't give the Indian communists effective tools to deal with caste. They almost always only deal with the differences in classes. And class and caste is so thoroughly intertwined in India that it's almost impossible to address one without unraveling the other. You know, I have a feeling this is going to be a heavy-hitting series. I expect no less. I think we should take a break and come back with the first four chapters of Annihilation of Caste. Agreed. With that, let's sign off. Do subscribe to the Dharmapolis podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and spread the word. If you can leave a review, that's even better. Until next time, with more on Ambedkar and AOC. So long.